Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Preacher fans, the only dudes who could ever teach me were some guys who were preacher fans. Yes, they were. They were. Oh, yes, they were. That's a podcast theme right there. Welcome to Preacher Man, a podcast about AMC's Preacher that is back for season four. I'm Alex. I am Pete. And we are going to be talking about the first episode, the premiere, Masada. Pete, you are the number one Preacher fan on this podcast. You are the son of a Preacher Man. <laughs> what? What did you think? What did you think overall of the premiere? How are you feeling? Oh, holy shit, it's back. It feels so great to be back. Uh, it's, it's very exciting. I couldn't believe all the shit they jammed into one episode. Yeah. It was a lot. I feel like this is what it's going to be like. They're just fast forwarding through the comic <laughs> to get to the end. It's, it's a lot. I feel like the pace is quickened. Uh, I've, also, I was surprised we didn't get a last time in season three recap. The, the they did on TV, I'm sure. Oh, so okay. you know, we we watch we watch special. Okay, we watch a special way with right. our with our special <laughs> treats. Don't worry about it. Uh, so ignore that part. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is definitely a lot. After spending an entire season in Angelville, yeah, uh, it feels like to your point they have picked up the pace. They focused it. We talked about this a little bit on the preview episode. So that was definitely nice to see. Uh, it's also nice to see that they haven't run out of ways of totally grossing us out, as oh I'm sure we'll get to God. throughout the episode. You can tell Seth Rogen is enjoying himself with this show. Yeah, nobody else, though. Nobody. Just else. Seth Rogen. Just Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen is the guy removing the foreskins, not having oh, his foreskins oh removed. Oh, man. I mean, that was really intense. But also, it's just, like, fun to see the chemistry back. Like, yeah. Jesse hanging out with Cassidy, it just, it's, I mean, even stupid elevator scenes, it is so much fun. Well, also to that point, a lot of the last season was about blasting the characters apart, and this is kind of, at least at first, about bringing them back together until things change at the end of the episode. Yeah. So let's do a recap before we get into the episode proper. Uh, Jesse Custer is a lapsed preacher. He has the power of the word, thanks to a being called Genesis that lives inside of his body. He can compel people to... To do other things, uh, and he used Genesis as a way of tracking down God who has left heaven at the end of the first season, along with his on again, off again girlfriend. Fuck Tula. You for I'm that. just saying, even in this episode alone, very on again, off again. Oh, come on, man. I mean, they're on. Every relationship goes through, you know, its ups and downs. Uh, not, not mine. Man. Oh, wow. Okay. That's all I'm saying. All right, big time. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, Mr. Perfection. Hey, hey listen, whatever. I don't go through stuff. All I'm saying is things are going great for me. That's it. <laughs> well, great. I'm glad we could take some time for you to brag. You know? Any, anytime. Any podcast, <laughs> anytime. Happy to brag, bro. All right. So, uh, so yeah, Tulip uh, is tagging along with Jesse. Meanwhile, Cassidy, the third member of their troop, who is a immortal vampire, yeah. is trapped inside of Masada. Masada is the stronghold of the Grail, a fanatical organization who is working towards the end of the world on God's commands. The Grail is run by Hair Star. Hair Star has a particular book to pick with Jesse Custer and crew because, among other things, they damaged his head so that his head looks like a giant penis, uh, which he's pretty upset about. His number two, who is in love with him, is Featherstone. Featherstone hates Tulip. So if Hairstar has it out for Jesse, Featherstone has it out for Tulip. Cassidy is just kind of on his own right now. Yeah. Another little detail you should probably know about Cassidy is that he is, when we last saw him, stuck in a well at the Masada stronghold, and there is a mysterious angel that seems to be held above him. We don't know a lot about that yet. And the last thing you know to know about that's touched on very briefly in this episode, there is another immortal being called the Saint of Killers, who is, as you can imagine, an unstoppable killer who has been tracking Jesse and trying to kill him. Uh, last season, he escaped from from hell, along with Eugene, a.k.a. Arseface, who was a very nice, very sweet boy. Yes, what did you want to say, Pete? Don't forget about his uh, traveling companion, at least for a little bit. Hitler? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Hitler doesn't show up this episode. He shows no. up in the credits, but he doesn't show up otherwise. Uh, Hitler, good news for Hitler, he is now the king of hell. <laughs> uh, so that's working out really well for him. So that's a recap Let's jump into the episode because they throw a lot of information at us right at the top. Right at the top. Uh, I was sitting next to Pete when we were watching this. You were real upset about that first scene, Pete. Yeah, yeah, because I. this is one of the times where you're, uh, you're like, hey, man, I hope they don't follow the comic books because the uh, what happens with Tulip and Cassidy... In the comic book is really fucked up, and I hope we don't have to relive that. I want to say, just for the record, we do a bunch of podcasts. Uh, you just said what happens instead of wahapis, which is this uh, catchphrase you've been trying to push. And I just appreciate you pulling back from that. So thanks, Pete. Well, thanks for reminding me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Anytime. Please never say that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they did a good job with the scene of uh, tricking you, of playing with you. Tulip sitting around. She's drinking a bunch of beer. Somebody walks in. You think it's Jesse because Cassidy is trapped. Turns out it's not. It's Cassidy, who's blonde. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They sit down. He tells this whole uh, joke story about Guinness and magic and wishes. Uh, Tulip clearly is sad but charmed. They end up smooching. Uh, yeah, and uh, then they cut to a few months before. Well, first they cut to Jesse falling out of a plane, hitting the ground. And oh, that's dying. Right. Yeah, uh, which, which is a, that's straight out of the comic. Straight out of the comic. Yeah. Yes, and uh, for those and of then you caught away from that, right? For those of you, by the way, who are thinking, "Oh, well, that didn't happen." 
a little spoiler here, that did happen. (laughs) It did. And in fact, if you want to loop back to the end of the episode, you can see he is in the place that he's supposed to be heading to from his prophetic dream at the end of the episode, which is the penis-shaped rock in Australia, a nuclear explosion. He's falling out of a plane. So uh, lots of details there. But then, yeah, as you said, they uh, cut back to a few months earlier. And that's very interesting because it's like, uh, that's a weird thing to tease. You know what I mean? Be like teasing just really Jesse laying in a crater. Oh, I don't know. I think that's great. Like we know from what they're talking about, Tulip says feels like the end to Cassidy. Right. Right. So we know we're flashing forward to, if not the end of the season, very close to the end of the season. Mm -hmm. So we're throwing a bunch of information, dude. Cassidy's free. He's blonde. He and Tulip are without Jesse. They're in a relationship. Jesse dies. Lots of stuff that we know is coming down the road, and that creates a really great dramatic tension as we enter the season, I think. Also, it kind of made me flashback to, like, all the 80s, 90s action movies where the blonde guys are the bad guys, you know, in the movie. You don't like Cassidy. I don't like Cassidy, especially Man. blonde Cassidy is evil Cassidy. I don't know. I think Cassidy, a mortal vampire, mm-hmm. Jesse, dead. Which one would you go with? <laughs> I don't know. But if you dyed your hair blonde, I would never trust you again. What if I started talking in an accent <laughs> like this? That's not Cassidy's accent. That's yeah, just yeah. A, you, yeah. You were... Clearly, that was like a my bad guy accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 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 Pete. Good <laughs> to see you again. Fubar, big time. Funny to meet you here. <laughs> That's not a knife. <laughs> oh boy, this is all right. Let's let's get into this. Uh, so yeah, then we get to a couple of months before. I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, Jesse and Tulip are having sex while driving. Oh yeah, you did notice that. Yeah, yeah. They, they weren't that secret about it, but yeah, it was kind it was of far pre- in the background. Well, it was pretty obvious. That seems very difficult to do. Right, but it seems right up their alley for things they would like to do. For sure. Yeah. I think I feel like the most interesting thing to me about that was that Tulip was driving. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see if Jesse was driving and she gets on top, right? Yeah. But that he was on top while she was driving? Very difficult. Very difficult. A yeah. lot of NASCAR drivers do not attempt that on a regular basis. I don't know. Maybe they do. I guess I don't watch a lot of NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> also, they don't show that part of NASCAR. Yeah. No, They when whenever, if you're watching NASCAR, and I do know this, whenever they cut away from the cars, the drivers are having sex with the cars. <laughs> <laughs> also, though, in their defense, they were on a pretty open dirt road. So, you know. Sure. Yeah. Not so a no, lot of traffic. No lights, so, you know, if you're going to fuck in a car, that's a good time to do it. <laughs> this has been Pete's Sex Tips. <laughs> so then we cut to Masada. Cassidy is in a hole with the angel. Cassidy gets taken out, and we get a nice tour through the grail. Uh, I think what I took away from this is this is just sort of to show us the scale of what's going on here. We've met Hair Star, We've met Featherstone. But we don't really have a sense of the grail as an organization, and we get to see... They're very well equipped. There are hundreds, if not thousands of them. And we get a fun little bit as uh, Cassidy gets walked through the classroom area mm-hmm. where we see beginning torture, intermediate torture. And then I think it was intro to French or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. And then changed to advanced torture. Very fun bit. I like that. That yeah. was good. Yeah. Uh, I like also that this show is not forgetting to be funny as we head towards oh, the definitely ends not. here. 
Because things are going to get serious, Pete. Yeah, they're going to get real fucked up. Yes. Uh, so then he gets walked through, uh, and we meet Frankie Toscani, classic character for the comics. Well, you're shaking your head. What, what are you upset about here, Pete? I, I don't. I don't remember that guy from. The yeah, time. Frankie Toscani. He's in the comics. <laughs> he right. mixes up with Cassidy. All right. He looked like a uh, very out of shape Baldwin. Is what he looked like. Aww. He's an he's an Australian actor, so he's doing his best to be an Italian Jew. I I guess so. I don't know. He got he's got a lot of stuff going on. He does have a lot of stuff. He Uh, also was apparently from Brooklyn. Yes, Uh, I think what we're doing here as well is, as we mentioned in the recap. We have an antagonist for Jesse, which is Hair Star. We have an antagonist for Tulip, which is Featherstone. So we're getting somebody for Cassidy here, which is Frankie Toscani. Right. So they each got their sub boss nice. to face before yeah. they got to face the big boss, which is God. Which is God. Yeah. He probably has a mug that says, I'm the big boss. <laughs> I don't know why he wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, he can make anything, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we cut to the grail bar. Uh, I wrote this down at the end of the episode. It was, what was it called? The Holy Bar and Grail or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Again, very fun joke. You love that kind of shit. I do. Yeah. I'm a dad, so I like dad jokes. <laughs> I respect the game. All right. Uh, so, yeah, the Glorel Bar, we get a scene. I felt like this was straight out of cabaret, kind of, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. where you get a bunch of Grail soldiers are fighting, and then a beautiful blonde haired boy stands up and starts singing, and everybody pays attention. If you haven't checked out the musical Cabaret, <laughs> it slaps. Oh my God, what <laughs> does that mean? You got to get with the youths, bro. <laughs> oh, my God, what has happened to you? Uh, youths? The youths. The youths. The youths. They're always saying stuff slaps. So, you know, cabaret slaps. All right, if you say so. Yeah, you'll trust me. You are our sex correspondent. (laughs) I'm our youth correspondent. Oh, boy. Uh, And then, uh, meanwhile, Jesse and Tulip are in the back. They're just kind of chilling out, bored by the whole thing. Uh, They say, hey, you want to help us go to Masada? Of course, everybody's like, no. Uh, And then he says, okay, Tulip is the boss, and Tulip becomes the boss of all of the Grail folks in there. he uses his power on all of them. He does, so he has full control of Genesis back, which... I had kind of forgotten happened in the last season. Oh, no. Yeah, that was a big part of it. Yeah. Well, because it was on the fritz for a while. It was. But all of a sudden, it's just back now. Yes. There you go. They don't think about it. It's just back. (laughs) Just go. I I feel like there was a thing. Like, it was part of him being at Angelville and losing his mojo. Uh Right? Right. So now he has his mojo back because he killed his grandma. And uh, And had sex in the car. Yeah. That's all you need. Sometimes it just takes fucking in the car to get your groove back. This is what I do. If I'm playing a video game and I can't get past a level, uh-huh. take a drive in the desert, fuck in a car, <laughs> yeah, and then I get past it. Wow. That's my video game tips. I'm also our video game correspondent. Cool. It's too bad Justin's not here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll be back at some point yeah. with some wisdom for everybody. Uh, so we do a quick check-in with the Saint of Killers and Eugene, who are at the ruins of Angelville. Uh, our I, space. Yeah, our space. Uh, you, I heard you make an exclamation out loud when we were watching the scene. Why did this affect you so much? Well, it's just nice to see oh. them and then also it's just fucked up that they teamed up and uh and I'm wondering if they're just going to skip the whole R space kind of like our rockstar thing. Yeah, cuz that was a lot of fun. I 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a bunch of episodes left of the season at this point, yeah. but it does feel like such an extraneous thing unless that's how they want to end his story, right? Yeah. Like maybe as they're tracking them, they end up in L.A. or New York or there's some sort of something. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, if they're, they're going to have to cut elements. Like they're yeah. not going to have the whole thing where Jesse ends up in a random town for a while and just kind of hangs out there because, again, that's a narrative morass that they need to get around, I think. Uh, speaking of the a number of episodes left, how yes. many do we get? I think, I could be wrong about this, but I think there's nine this season. Nine? So, yeah, so there's two on premiere day, and then seven more weeks after that. Uh, there could be ten, so don't quote me on it. All right. Not 100% I'm sure. hoping for ten. You're hoping you're hoping for an infinite infinity yeah. number of episodes, but you're gonna get what you're gonna get, Pete. All and right. then that's it. Fine. Sorry. Uh, then we cut rough. to a scene that really got me as a Jew. We cut back to uh, <laughs> Cassidy being tortured by Frankie Toscani, uh, and Cassidy is like, you know what? I've seen everything. I've been tortured. He's like, I've been tortured for ye- thousands and thousands of years. You can't yeah, well, do anything. hundreds of years. He hasn't okay. been around for thousands of years. Well, but yeah, he's been tortured for a while. He's seen everything, and Frankie Toscani is like, oh, everything? And he puts on a yarmulke, starts singing uh, some prayers, and proceeds to repeatedly circumcise him, give him a briss over and over, uh, and as we see later, takes a bunch of foreskins, which they're feeding him blood so that he can heal. Uh, there's just a bucket full of foreskins. This is pretty gross. Yeah. Like, super gross. Right. I looked at you, and I was just like, oh, man, this is... That's... I, I will say it's funny... I don't know if this is... I'm not very actively Jewish. Right. You know, I had a bar mitzvah. I was raised as Jewish and everything. Uh, but this doesn't bother me. I thought it was just funny. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's just the show is like... It's merciless and going for everything. So I didn't see this as particularly like... Attack on Judaism or yeah. anything like oh, that. Yeah, definitely. If anything, it's funny to repeatedly give somebody a press. In any I don't know if the word you want to use is funny. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Okay. In a gross yeah. way. Like, it's a gross over the top. It's so over the top. Yeah, it really like, is. Like, it doesn't feel show. real. He's just screaming in a high-pitched scream. Bucket full of foreskins is disgusting. Oh, stop saying a bucket full of foreskins. That's the name of my band, and you <laughs> promised to see them on Saturday, Pete. <laughs> I expect to see you there. Ladies and gentlemen, bucket full of horse guys. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Here's a song about love and marriage and having sex in a car. We're actually very chill. Yeah, I could tell by it's the a tone. Fo- it's a folk band. Uh, right. So anyway, uh, meanwhile, Jesse walks up to Masada solo. Wait, wait. Can- the one part I want to ask you was, did you think the Jewish music was too much? No, it added to the whole oh, funny bit. Because right. I was like... Oh, man, come on. It seemed too much for me. No, it was great. Right. It was great. I, uh, it, it added to the whole thing. Because, like, here's the thing that I will say about Judaism mm-hmm. is given, and I mean this 100% seriously, given the amount of trials Jews have been put through over the centuries, right. we have come to develop a healthy sense of humor about ourselves. And seeing something like that, it doesn't become offensive 
frankly, as far as I've seen, in the same way as other religions take that sort of thing. So as long as it's not being dismissive of Jews, and if anything, the fact that he put on the armka, the fact that he's saying the brachas correctly, the fact that they are playing music in the background, that's what makes it funny, because <laughs> they are doing it as correctly as possible versus like, oh, look at this Jewish shit. Yeah. Like, it's not that. Yeah. Uh, and but, that's I, I mean, that's why Seth Rogen, you know, he gave it, you know, he, he really, uh, you know, was doing it right. Well, I think that's what works about Preacher Across the Board is it's very in your face yeah. about religion. It doesn't back off of anything, but it also understands it at the same time. Yeah. And Garth Ennis's work, Steve Dillon's drawings go so over the top about everything all the time that it pushes through the level of just being raunchy to being funny. You know? I don't know. That's my take on it. So here we go. Uh, So then Jesse walks up to Masada Solo, goes through the metal detector. Fun little bit with that. Just a metal detector sitting out of the middle of the desert. Still got his uh, Zippo lighter. Yeah. Hairstar reveals this was his plan all along. He tricked him there so that just like he has a penis on his head, he's going to carve a giant vagina on Jesse's head. Yeah, that's his plan. That's his big vengeance plan. Yeah. And he did his homework. He has an interpreter. Every every member has their earmuffs on, so nobody can hear Jesse. Except for the fact that, as we already know, Tulip has her whole squad. One of her squads inside starts shooting everybody up. Jesse is a little the, blonde guy who was singing in the bar. Yeah, Jesse just casually walks out, takes over another guy, and says, let's go find Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he finds him, uh, and everything goes amok. Everything kind of happens at the same time. Uh, Tulip is going up the st- to the door. She's doing a Star Wars. She's yeah. doing a Chewbacca. Yeah. She's been captured. Uh, but then her second-in-command messes it up by being like, no, I'm totally devoted to Tulip now. Dude closes the door on Tulip's second-in-command. So mm-hmm. Tulip's fighting outside. The door is closed, so Jesse and Cassidy can't get out. Meanwhile, Jesse finds Cassidy, fights all the dudes, and Cassidy goes through a bevy of emotions throughout yeah. these scenes. I did like his opening line, though, like, what took you so long, wanker? That was hysterical. Yeah, it's great. It's yeah. fun seeing them together. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on here as Jesse fights uh, Frankie Toscani and his goons, Cassidy, they keep cutting back to him, and he's going through a lot of emotions. And ultimately, this is to jump ahead, he makes the decision to not leave Masada. What do you think's going on with Cassidy here? Yeah, I don't know. I know that Cassidy, and he kind of, when you see the emotions, at first he's happy to see his friend, and then he's happy to see him beat the bad guys. But then you see Jesse's face like really enjoying it, and that kind of makes Cassie a little off-put. And it's almost like Cassie's kind of realizing, like, oh, man, do I want to be back with this fucking crazy asshole? Like, you know, like, it, it. there's a lot going on in his face. And it's very interesting that there's no words that we're kind of seeing. We're just, we're just kind of seeing him kind of go through it, which is cool. I My take... I don't think there's one simple emotion happening with Cassidy right now. I think at the end, when he sees the sunlight coming out of Masada, 
certainly there's a bit of fear going on with him. He's scared to go outside. What does that mean? He needs to face his life again instead of the relative simplicity of just being tortured over and over. So I think there's that. I think there's also he sees Jesse, to your point, reveling in it and... The, yeah, is like, whoa, I don't, I don't want to be back with this guy. Yeah. This, this guy is too much. But I, I think there's also a sense of Cassidy wants to be the hero. Yeah. He wants to be the guy that saves himself, proves himself to Tulip. Tulip goes, oh, my hero, and falls in love with him. Uh, and I, I think that's part of what's going on as well. Yeah, he wants to get himself out. But he also reveals to Jesse that he's in love with Tulip. Yes. And this is also cutting ahead. We'll jump back and talk about a couple of the things that happened in the middle there. Uh, but at the end, after they haven't rescued Cassidy, Jesse and Tulip are at a bar. And Jesse says, listen, did you sleep with him? I won't be mad. Yep. And she lies and says, no. Well, anytime someone says, I won't be mad, you can't trust that. Yeah? You, that is a trap. Is that true? Tell me if it's true. I won't be mad, Pete. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. It, the fact that he says, I won't be mad, almost made it worse. Yes. It's, uh, Tulip should have told the truth at that moment, right? Oh, yeah. Regardless. Yeah. Because. That they, way they could have started talking about it and dealt with it. Yes. Because I think that's part of the reason that he peaced. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason the piece, they also start the episode. I thought this was overall a very nicely written episode. Oh, yeah. They start the episode saying we're together, we're honest with each other until the end. And then we get to see the end. Well, we saw the end right before that. Uh, So, yeah, I think to your point, this is the beginning of the end right here is Tulip lying about this. Jesse demanding honesty. Mm -hmm. Um that sends them all on their own separate paths. Yeah. So a couple of things in the middle before we jump back to that end. Uh, Jesse is arguing with Cassidy as they're walking through and fighting dudes. They're arguing about the elevator. You like that bit? Yeah, but they're also arguing about like, uh, you know, how, you know, Cassie was like, oh, yeah, so great to be. Uh, rescued by you and your bullshit. And, you know, they're kind of getting into it as they're walking aimlessly trying to find the exit. Yeah. And they're kind of just venting about each other's bullshit, which is, I think, therapeutic and helpful to just kind of put shit out there like that. Yeah. I I don't think it helps them, though. (laughs) No, but at least they kind of know where the other person's coming from. Sure, that's fair. Yeah. They know where they stand. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the outside, uh, Tulip is... But, tri- yes. Elevator thing was hysterical because it's this classic, like, thing that Cassie always says is like, oh, I've seen worse or I've been in chair. And, you know, Jesse's like, oh, yeah, of course you have, right? You've seen the slowest elevators in the world, I bet. Yeah. yeah. I, I like the bit right before that. I liked having just a very banal thing happening in the middle where, yeah, Cassidy presses the elevator button and then Jesse runs up and presses the elevator button. And he's like, why the fuck did you do that? Yeah. yeah. But I don't know what it is about the elevator right? button, but that's a real thing. Yeah. You don't trust that the other person has actually done it. Yeah. Even and if, even the if you can see the light, yes. you still want to press it. What What is that? I don't know. But that happens at really like. All the time. There's this elevator works that takes forever. Forever, 
And I don't know, like you're waiting for a while, and then the button just starts calling you. Yeah. Like maybe it's a button. Maybe they didn't really press Somebody it. Somebody should build an elevator that speeds up the more people press it. <laughs> <laughs> just so it acts just the way. Just justify. Yeah. 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 Because I, I think it would do two things. One, you'd be like, oh, this is very satisfying because it worked. Mm-hmm. But then when you rode that elevator, yeah. it would be fucking terrifying. <laughs> you'd be like, you you'd know like, what? Why I'm, did I do that? I'm I won't never, press it this I'm much again. I'm never going to do this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. Go. Elevator makers, get on that. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, outside, another fun, super gross bit as Tulip's trying to open the door and her second in command, who got stuck in the door, is still alive mm-hmm. and going, oh, boss, uh, we're going to do this, boss. We got this, boss. We got this. Very Monty Python, I yeah. felt. Yeah. Uh, but super fun, super gross. She, Not dead yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she points out that uh, there is a switch at the top of the mountain. The story is very complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tulip climbs up to the top of the mountain, gets up there, uh, points a gun at the switch operator, is like, I'm going to need you to flip that switch. Turns out it's Featherstone. Yeah, just what a fun reveal of, like, the newspaper up, you know, on a lawn chair, and just, like, oh, who's it going to be? And what a great reveal. I'll tell you what. I'm not usually a huge fan of in action shows or action movies that it's, oh, the female villain fights the female hero. Right. But Featherstone and Tulip are so much fun working off of each other. It gets past that for me. Yeah, it really is great. I love every time they're together. It's a lot of fun. Well, because also they immediately pull their guns on each other. They shoot. Neither of them get shot. There's a pause of like they look at each other, no bullet hole, no bullet hole. And then they see the two. They shot exactly at the same time. And the two bullets are like smooshed together. And they both have a moment where like, awesome. They both say cool at yeah. the same time. And then they start fighting. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's just a fun, silly bit in yeah. the middle of the episode. But they have a great fight at the top of Masada. Uh, first, Tulip gets thrown off of the cliff, but she manages to catch herself. Yeah, she's Comes saved by the lawn chair, man. Saved by the lawn chair, as usual. Dude, lawn chairs are super important in life, guys. They are. Always yeah. keep a lawn chair nearby. You never know. You never know where you need to catch yourself falling off of a cliff. This is a metaphor, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys figure it out. I'm not going to explain it. Also, it's super important that if you have a suit that you like, you know, that you kind of maybe modify it a little bit. Yeah, because Featherstone gets dropped off. She falls off and then she flying squirrels out of there. I love that. I'm going to do that to all my suits. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, if you don't have a lawn chair, get a flying squirrel suit. This is a metaphor. I'm not going to explain it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, she does manage to get the but door. I would like to yes. say it was interesting because when she get, you know, normally when someone gets thrown off, they're like, ah, you know, but she was like leaning into it, like trying yeah. to go faster. And I was like, oh, wow, look at her. She's like, All right, I'm going to fucking die. Let's get it over with as quickly as possible. Which <laughs> I was like, that's kind of a badass choice. But then, uh, yeah, flying squirrel thing at the end. I I know I said this before, but also just the way this episode was shot was so much fun. Like this, uh, the show is very well directed and staged and having her not even like a close up of her flying, but just the far away shot of her tiny little body flying over the desert is very funny. Yeah. It's it's, the show is very good. I'm going to miss it when it's gone. So uh, Cassidy doesn't leave. They go back to the Holy Bar and Grill. We talked about this scene. Uh, And then 
Jesse that night is having a dream. He has several dreams in a row. Yeah. First, he dreams of a pita-shaped rock in Australia and a nuclear explosion next to it. Uh, his dad calls him on the phone, says it's time to go to work. Uh, then Hair Star attacks him. He starts strangling Hair Star, but it's actually Tulip. Tulip has Genesis uses the word to tell him to stop, and then he wakes up. And it was all a dream, and what he realizes is that he has been neglecting what his true mission is, which is to go find God. Yeah, because that's also what his dad said. Right. You got to go find God. Yeah. So he leaves. Tulip is super sad about it. Jesse gets picked up by a chicken truck. uh, And it turns out that God is actually back at Masada hanging out with Hair Star drinking some uh, Diet Diet Dr. Dr. Peppers. Oh, and we should mention, actually, uh, before we get any further, because this will be important, that Hairstar got shot in the ear, uh, so Eddie lost his ear. Yeah, it can't. It's got it ringing in his one ear. Right. Well, there's ringing because he has no ear anymore. Right. Uh, so poor hair star. The stuff keeps happening to him. You feel uh, bad for a hair star, do you? Uh, I don't know. It's just stuff keeps getting chopped off of him. Very sad. Okay. I wouldn't like that if that happened to me. But he's a bad guy. He is the bad guy. Uh, Hair stars hanging out with uh, God. God says Diet Dr Pepper is one of his greatest creations. Oh my! God. Do you agree? No. No, I don't agree. Uh, I guess I haven't really had a Diet Dr. Pepper. I can't you've imagine. Never, you've never tried a Diet Dr. Pepper? I've had Dr. Pepper, which is delicious. I also love a Diet Dr. Pepper or a regular Dr. Pepper. But then the commercials came out and they're like, it tastes exactly like. And I was like, all right, fine. Let me try it. It's not. It doesn't taste the same. I, I will just say, if you are rejecting Diet Dr. Pepper, you are rejecting God. Wow. Yeah. Well, kind of in this episode, sure. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and so God says uh, to Hera Star, you let him go. Uh, you wanted to make him suffer. You didn't want it as part of the plan. Well, if you want to make him suffer, let's make him suffer. Doom, doom, doom. I think this is God pulling a classic Job going on here, right? Oh, classic Job. Classic Job. The Job job. That's <laughs> what I always call it when I went to Bible cap. Wow. <laughs> Uh, a lot to unpack there, Zelbs. Uh, first off, what do you mean when you say pulling a classic Job? He's going to make him suffer. He's going to take away everything in life. He's going to ruin him. He's going to put him through everything. Uh, and uh, God's uh, goal, one would assume, is to ultimately make him accept religion again. Because yeah. that's what... Also, it's a big moment where Hairstar doesn't shoot Jesse in the back as he's walking away. Well, he does that on God's orders. We get to see... There's a scene earlier where Hairstar is in his office. There's a little rustle of wind through his papers. God clearly showed up, said, don't kill Jesse. Hairstar goes up, says, don't kill Jesse, and then comes back, and he's pissed off about it. So that's the continuity of that thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. That's the first episode. Now, for those of you who are listening in real time, two episodes broadcast uh, on opening night. I don't know yeah. what you call it, whatever you call it. Uh, so we'll have the second podcast going up shortly. If you're listening later, hey, just enjoy it. Just have a good time. Uh, now, I actually don't remember how we end <laughs> these episodes. Uh, who, who even knows? You know what? We just add them. Yeah? We just add them. That's what we don't pick, like, favorite moment or something like that. Or who's... Uh, who's grosser? Who's who we're preaching for. <laughs> <laughs> eh, who cares? Oh, wow. It's the last what, season. Well, what was your favorite moment of the whole episode? My favorite moment, I think, was the 
second in command stuck at the door. It's just, I love a good classic bit like that. Uh, the, like you said, the I'm not dead yet, mm-hmm. just hanging there. And that's a real thing. Like, people get run over by railroads all the time. All the time. All the time. They're stuck there and they're fine for a little while, but you take the railroad off and they die. Yeah, I'm going to have to say the Tulip Featherstone fight was my favorite. Just mm-hmm. uh, Tulip in her element, you know, fucking shit up. It's just, she is such. I feel like she as an actor is having so much fun with this role and it really comes through. And uh, yeah, it's nice to see her at her happiest when she's fighting. Absolutely. If you like this show and want to support it, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on Bible chat with you about Preacher. What do you want to plug, Pete? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. You can follow us on Twitter at Men Preacher for Preacher specific content or at Comic Book Live for all of our podcasts and content. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. Please subscribe and comment on iTunes Android, Stitcher, Spotify, or the app of your choice. And we'll see you next time on Preacher Bed.